In the weeks since Russia invaded on February 24th, more than 2 million refugees from Ukraine have been spreading out across Europe and beyond. President Biden had urged Americans to leave Ukraine before the invasion, but not everyone could. You know, it's hard to leave when cities are being bombed. And this month, a Russian airstrike hit a maternity hospital, killing three people. Western leaders calling it a war crime. As emergency crews rushed to get food and medical supplies into cities under attack, a growing number of traumatized residents are praying for help to get out. But options are limited. The U.S. State Department has explicitly said it won't evacuate Americans at this point. And our government suspended operations at the U.S. Embassy in Kiev at the end of February. So where do people turn? More than 14,000 of them have turned to a Tampa-based nonprofit, led by combat veterans. That's called Project Dynamo. The name comes from Operation Dynamo. It was the code name used for the Dunkirk civilian evacuation effort during World War II. This modern effort is privately run and funded entirely by donations. Gasoline is hard to find. Food is hard to find. Safe havens are hard to find. That's Brian Stern. He's the co-founder of Project Dynamo. The group is operated by volunteers. They are humanitarian workers and Gold Star families. Most have strong ties to the U.S. military, and they include current and former service members. And many have worked extensively in special ops or with the intelligence community. What they're doing now is separate from the U.S. government. They figure if the U.S. won't rescue people, they'll do what they can, and they will. Thus, Tampa has become home base for evacuations in Ukraine. Project Dynamo members set foot on the ground back in January. They saw what was happening and knew they needed to be in position. They spent weeks carefully planning, and when the Russians entered Ukraine in February... The organization immediately kicked its rescue plans into motion. Here's my colleague Josh Sidorowitz talking about the recent rescue of three babies. We wanted to show you this just incredible rescue here that was made possible by Tampa's Project Dynamo. On their latest rescue mission, they got these American premature twin boys and also a baby girl from the UK out of Ukraine. They evacuated them out of the capital, Kiev, where, of course, Russia strikes are still happening. They got them to safety, though, in Poland. They were taken by ambulance inside incubators to their parents. So far, this organization has rescued about 150 people in 14 missions across Ukraine. From young to old, Project Dynamo has moved everyone from newborns to seniors in their 90s out of harm's way. I recently caught up with Brian Stern. That's the co-founder I mentioned earlier. Follow me on this. He was in the middle of a rescue operation while we were talking on the phone, so cell service was a bit spotty. We talked about his military career, his plans, and remaining mentally present for complete strangers whose lives he's trying to save. Ukraine is an active war zone, complete with everything that you would expect in a war zone, from artillery to missiles to, to checkpoints to death to uh, stress and pain and all the things that are associated with war. How does one juggle all that and still remain, uh, have the presence of mind to do what you're trying to do in terms of rescue missions? Um, I think I just focus on what has to be done, not what could be, I think. I mean, we, you know, tactically speaking, I, I think of all the contingencies and problems that we may have and how to deal with them. But from a 
you know, worrying about artillery perspective, I've learned that worrying about things that I can't control is kind of a waste of calories. So we do things to mitigate as much risk as we can from a tactics perspective. But as far as the emotional piece goes, um, I focus on the task at hand, you know, and, and these people have suffered a lot more than I'll ever suffer in my life, that's for sure. Brian spent time in the Army and Navy. He recalled being in a living room back in New York where he created Project Dynamo. I was a 9-11 first responder. Uh, in, really? during, during, you know, uh, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, one of the few military first responders of 9-11 in New York. And um, um, I was watching on TV, watching the evacuation of Afghanistan on TV like we all were, or many of you were. And I, uh, the famous uh, video of the the C-17, the aircraft rolling down the runway and the people falling to their deaths. Remember that? Remember that video? Uh, yeah, um, left an indelible impression. Yes, absolutely. So I was watching that on TV also, along with half the world, and it occurred to me, it, it struck a chord with me because the last time I saw people fall to, you know, innocent people fall to their deaths like that was when they were jumping from the Twin Towers on the morning of 9-11. And it was kind of strange to me how it was kind of some of the, you know, the same originators of fear are kind of the same people from both incidences, right? The, you know, the, you know, the, the Taliban and by proxy Al-Qaeda, um, you know, obviously 9-11, we know that story. And now I'm watching people, innocent people jump to their deaths as a better idea than staying where they were at. And it struck a chord with me. So it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I uh, called up some friends of mine, and I said, I got a crazy idea. Uh, I know we can help. I know that um, I've done these kinds of operations before. I've, I've done a lot of work with um, getting into weird places and, and via weird ways and getting people out of places and uh, hostage rescue and some of those things. So I, so I knew that we could help, but I believed that we could help. I was pretty sure. I was pretty confident. And um, we launched next day. Those things involve a team. Here's the breakdown of what rescue operations have looked like for Brian and the people he's met along the way. I go on 90% or more of the operations myself. Sometimes I'm alone, sometimes I'm with a team. Um, the biggest team we've ever had forward deployed was three. So it's always a very light footprint, very light footprint always, uh, by, by design, by design. We all need to be able to fit into a car and have a driver, right? So four people becomes a little snug in a Toyota Camry. Um, so uh, at most three, usually two, sometimes by myself. Uh, and then in America, we have a team of amazing volunteers who are, um, who are uh, database people and our caseworkers. And they're the real unsung heroes of Dynamo. They, they're the ones that kind of, they're, they're the mortar between the bricks. You know, so uh, while while we're on this while we're on the street and, and executing the operations, um, there's a tremendous amount of preparation and communication and coordination that has to happen, and they do a lot of that stuff in the rear. They're, they, they're they focused. Do the, they in, do the glue in, work. They they're the ones interacting. They're the ones finding and interacting with our evacuees until they come to me. So as an example, I'm in the middle of an operation right now. The people on my view, uh, on my bus have never spoke to me before. I've never interacted with them, not really, but my caseworkers have been talking to them for um, at least days in the case of Afghanistan, sometimes months. 
So they develop very strong relationships of trust with the evacuees, and that's an important part of what they've done. But the other important part of what they've done was successful is we, we, they're not, um, they're not, we're not a bus service. You know what I mean? It's not, okay, well, we have 12 seats. Uh, you're going to be customer number 25, no problem. It's not like that. The, um, the, the, our case, our case workers and the case managers um, have to develop rapport with the evacuees because these people have been traumatized in every possible way that there is. And some of the, you know, in, in the evacuation world, the, step, the stories go from the, the stories go from terrible to nightmare. No one ever wakes up hoping to be a refugee. Right. What is it like for you, Brian, sitting with that trauma? Um, it's uh, amazing. Like, there's nothing else like it. Uh, you know, knowing you know, knowing that we're helping people in, in their time of need, and pretty much most most people we meet, most people that I meet, they're pretty much they have already had the worst day of their lives. And hopefully we're getting them to a, you know, to a, you know, ho hopefully we're step one to a better place in life. How do you compartmentalize your emotions to make this happen? Because you were telling me that you, you consider the, the mission, if you will, at hand, but you're human. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've, I've developed lifelong relationships with people that I've rescued. Um, um, I, I, I don't compartmentalize. I don't. I focus on get. I focus on them. Their safety is paramount. So that, that's what we're here. So, so it, it's not a matter of compartmentalization. I develop. Um, I develop my own relationships with these folks, uh, men, women, and children, uh, um, to, to the extent that I mean, I've we've laughed together and we've cried together. Mm. You know, and everything in the middle. We we. Um, I've been uh, I've been detained at gunpoint with some people. Um, all kinds of stuff. So it, there, it's actually, I, I don't compartmentalize it. It's, it's quite the opposite. I, I, um, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve because their wounds are, their emotional wounds at least are pretty raw. And um, so I, I, we're, we're not practical extraction team. It's not how we do it. We're, we're very sensitive. We're, um, um, you know, we, we, we're not, there's not a lot of, there's no manhandling. It's not, you know, hurry, hurry, get to the bus. Oh, it's not like that. It's not how we do it. It's not that it's, you don't, we don't need to do it that way. And we find, frankly, that doing it this way is a lot better. And, um, you know, it's, it's a tall order, right? They don't, they don't. Absolutely. Need so it's, you know, you know, you've been talking to our caseworkers. That's great. But, you know, who are they? They're just a voice on the other end of the phone, you know? And then I show up in a in a car or a bus or an airplane or something, and it's trust me, number one, the, number one, trust me that that I'm not some complete you know bad guy, nefarious actor. I'm not Russian intelligence. I'm not a proxy for the Taliban. I'm not a human trafficker. I'm not a criminal. I'm not a smuggler. I'm, I'm not a drug dealer or whatever you know or, or other bad guy. But the reality is, the first time I meet these people, I don't know any of them, and they don't know me. So, you know, imagine you, your entire town has been flattened by the Russian army, and there's death and destruction all around you, and, uh, you know, friends and family in some cases, and sometimes children in some cases that we've, had, that we've experienced. And then some rando shows up saying, trust me, it'll be okay.
Are you receiving any help from the U.S. government, uh, the Ukrainian government, or is this all you and your team tactically moving about? Um, from an operational perspective, we receive no help from anyone. Um, that said, we have a very good relationship with the Department of Defense. We have a very good relationship with the Department of State and an even better relationship with the Department of Defense, but they are limited by the policies and the policymakers as to how they're able to support, which unfortunately is a little limited. But, um, but I talk to state every day. I talk to DOD every day. And um, yeah, it's like anything else. The person is supportive, but the organization might be a little too bureaucratic. And that's not anyone's fault. That's just the way the cookie crumbles, and that's okay. We all have a boss. And I don't, you know, um, uh, when I talk to, you know, when I engage with State Department and uh, conference services guys and the FSO guys and all those folks, I believe them to be as ardent patriots as I am. Project Dynamo is a global operation. Volunteers are doing work in Central Asia, too. They're still conducting missions in Afghanistan as well, and they went there when the U.S. pulled out troops and the Taliban took over. All that on the global scale means people like Brian don't know when they're coming home. Is there any point at which you would step away? For instance, if, you know, Russia seizes control, or are you going to keep going? So, so what would happen is, is we would adjust tactics. That, that's how you do it. So um, you, you don't, you don't, um, you don't uh, give up. That's kind of not in my DNA, and I'm pretty sure that's not in my team's DNA. That's, that's probably a, a hard pill for us to swallow, especially knowing how many people need help. But we would adjust tactics is what we would do, which is the same way any military or paramilitary or, or any other organization works, right? On, on the morning of 9-11, all the fire pits raced down, race down the ground zero. When the firefighters who were off duty showed up in their firehouses, they pickup trucks and their cars down to the, down to the scene. Right, right. It doesn't make the pickup truck a fire truck. They just figured it out. No doubt a powerful story. I'm just glad Brian was able to spend some time talking with me about it. We hope for a safe return for him. But if you're looking for ways to help out folks over there right now as we speak, you can encourage other folks to sign up for this right here. I'm going to give it to you. The U.S. State Department STEP program is where you have to start. It's the first thing Project Dynamo encourages people to do in addition to filling out an evacuation request form with the organization. As you know, we've been covering Project Dynamo extensively on our website. That's 10tampabay.com. In our articles, you'll find links at the bottom with ways you can help support Project Dynamo right now. Meantime, I'm Frank Wiley, and this has been a frank conversation. Until next time, have a good one.